dinosaurs. Hey, you like Pez? It looks like that has Heaney from the boundary line. He's an expert at these. Hello and welcome to Behind the Boundary Podcast. I'm your host, Pez, and it is a very somber feeling here at Behind the Boundary Podcast for a couple of reasons. First reason is that the footy is over, and the second reason is my counterpart source, Barracks for the Geelong Cats, and uh, hasn't even spoken to me while we've been uh, connected here. Hey, Pez. Oh, hey, hey. <laughs> we've got him. Uh, I haven't really spoken to anyone the last couple of days. Uh, hey, guys, it has been a really tough few couple of days uh but lots to to think about and reflect about and and lots to analyze pairs i am i think i'm going to be able to do this it's probably the best way to to learn to get over something is to, to lean head first and do an in-depth uh, an analysis and relive it through uh <laughs> your own opinion so it's probably the best way to, to get over it isn't that's it that it. right when, when it pays the bills mate uh yeah <laughs> you, that's what you have to be able to do even if you barrack for a team uh, I did it last week, not to the biggest extent. Uh, there were a couple of weeks ago when uh, St Kilda actually lost to Richmond, so uh, that was probably uh, expected. And I guess Richmond were favourites. It was it was a toss of the coin, but a lot of people in the media were howling down about how Geelong were going to win that grand final. Yeah, most definitely. And we will get into that, Pez, because I think uh, that if we start talking about it now, it will start to unfold as the uh, actual analyst itself. There are a range of different things that we need to talk about because it was a, a, you know, a day in AFL history, the very first night grand final, only the second time the AFL uh, grand final had been played outside of uh, um, MCG, obviously playing at, uh, I think it was Waverley, or one, there was another grand one other time because of the redevelopment the MCG was doing. Lots of things to talk about. The night grand final, we've got the entertainment, we've got the lead up. Where, do you, want, where do you want to start, Piz? Well, we'll start with the day. How about we start with the day? Usually you wake up on a Saturday morning, you're really excited. You've got the 2.30 bounce at the MCG. Didn't happen this time, still in lockdown in Melbourne as we both are. And 7.30 was when the, the TV broadcast was coming on. They had the Cox plate on earlier in the day. And then uh, a 4.30 start with the pre-match where they uh, went on and on and on and you're just waiting for the footy to happen. It didn't feel like a normal grand final day. There was no buzz around town. There hasn't been a buzz around Melbourne for, for a long time in, in this lockdown. But uh, even when I was watching it at the, the breaks, I was on Zoom with my mates watching it. And uh, even after the game and after the medal presentations, we were just sitting there like, that didn't really feel like a grand final. Yeah, I think... It's funny because I woke up early uh, Saturday morning, very, very excited, and it was extremely awkward because I just didn't know what to do. And then, okay, I'm like, all right, well, I'll go into the, the lounge and I'll put on the TV on, and they had a, a preview going. And I'm like, oh, cool, it must be the preview. And they're like, hang on, I've watched this. They were just putting replays on from previous shows. They weren't even replaying different grand finals. They weren't doing their own review. I'm like, oh, I'll look at what time the, the uh, AFL breakfast is on. It was a brunch. It was 11.30, which they weren't televising on TV. It was on Foxtel. Um it was a very disappointing day. The word buzz is a, is a, pop, a popular word with Grand Final Day because you do get that feeling and it's buzzing around. Melbourne's great. You, you know, you go down the shops, people are wearing their, their scarves and their – it just, for me, didn't feel like Grand Final Day and I actually just had this conversation with a, with a bloke from work and it really lacked that oomph. And I think that, for me, the night Grand Final time slot – I didn't love just because it just didn't feel like grand final day. There was too much focus on the horses on the lead up. Grand final day is meant to be 
the one, the only thing that you worry about. And especially for you and I, Pez, you know, love AFL. We live and breathe it. I, I couldn't care less about horses. Yeah, I had, a, yeah, I had watched it to try to keep my mind off things and had a bit of a punt here and there. But realistically, to me, Grand Final Day is about AFL and that is it. Oh, it, it is. And uh, it, the buzz wasn't there. But we need to reflect on, I guess, Queensland because did they have that same buzz that Melburnians usually get? And in other years, do they... You know, do they not feel that? Is that what they feel like when the grand final's not in their home city? I'm not sure. I mean, maybe, but like, it's different for us though, Pez, because obviously, in Victoria, it's something that we've we've grown up living. We we know no difference, and you know, I think when people quite often talk about change, they focus on the negativity with it. But this was a massive change, and for me and a lot of uh, the the public, and it's really interesting, Pez, because I was talking this with the old man. The general public's consensus is we do not like this. We do not like the night grand final. We don't like the lead up. But you talk to the media, the media seem to love it. Yeah, I've heard a few media personalities say, yep, we'll keep the night grand final. It's really good for the lights at the entertainment. No one cares about the entertainment. Let's get that off the Pez, off the rank. Pez, if I wanted to see a dance show and a light show, I'd go to my bathroom and turn the lights on and off. I, oh, I'm there you to watch go, football. You can go anywhere. I can turn YouTube on on my TV and, <sighs> and watch it. Anything I want that drives, at night. That drives it doesn't me nuts matter. that they're using that as the argument. It doesn't matter about it. Since um, I think it was the great meatloaf played <laughs> at the grand final. Great grand final. You, you, can't, you can't do that. You can't worry about that anymore. The NRL seem to get it right every year, but I think it's just because the AFL seem to stuff it up every year and uh, the performances are subpar. They're in big stadiums. It's hard to see the atmosphere and things like that. So um, entertainment, we, we don't care about the entertainment. No one cares about the entertainment. We care about the footy. So do your entertainment beforehand, whatever. Get local acts, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Give them some uh, extra advertising, whatever it is, and just give us the footy at 2.30 bounce at the MCG. We understand it couldn't have happened this year, and the AFL did a fantastic job to fit a 17-round season in to get an eventual premiere. And to be honest, I don't love the Tigers. I don't like the Tigers. I don't take anything away from Richmond because to be able to win it, being away from home, for that long, Victorian club, the amount of controversy they went through and they were able to do it thanks to one man, and we'll speak about this man a, a little bit later, absolute superstar in Dustin Martin. Yeah, um, you are right. It's not about the entertainment. It is about the football. And, you know, Richmond are definitely a worthy winner of the, the grand final. They're one of the best teams this year. We talked about them all year being one of the best teams and, and they definitely won the game. Geelong had their opportunities and, and they lost it most definitely, but... Yeah, hats off to, to Richmond for that. Uh, but the other thing that I, I just thought, Pez, before we move on about the actual grand final day, what the late start really took away from, I thought was the aftermath of the grand final that you normally get. Normally you get from about 6 o'clock all the way to about 9 o'clock. You've got the Tigers you know, going around the, the stadium. They've got you know, the, the beers are flying. I found it really unusual that the moment they went, they, they didn't do a lap of honour or anything, basically went into the rooms and beers were there straight away. To me, that was, I, I didn't, it was not, not confronting is not the right word, but it was, it was weird. Normally you see them do the song, you see them wander around, they go into the crowd a bit. I, I know they the weren't on the ground. I know they were allowed to do that, but we didn't get to see any of that. Like we didn't get to have that same effect. And, and I put it to, you know, a lot of people would have gone to bed. If you're a Richmond fan and you're a, you've got a kid, they don't get to enjoy that moment. They get, they're tired, they're knackered, they go to bed. A lot of people who were um, not going for Richmond, not Geelong supporters, 
that TV would have been straight off because it's 11 o'clock at night. And you just you don't get to soak up that, that part of the grand final as well. Yeah, it was definitely too late, and I'm probably trying to read into what the AFL are going to do. They're probably going to try and uh, convince people and try and do a twilight-type grand final so it finishes at night, which, you know, would be better than what we did have. But uh, nothing's better than that Saturday afternoon daytime footy. What can you can you explain to me? What is broken about the current AFL Grand Final? Like, the, like last year's Grand Final. What's broken about it? Why does it need to be fixed? What's what's the rush to to well, be Americanize it? Twenty nineteen Grand Final. They probably needed uh, a second team to show up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go back, go back a, another year. Go the twenty eighteen Grand Final. One of the greatest Grand Finals of all okay. time. What what's broken about that? Packed house, two big clubs. Like what? What is broken about? One it? of my most memorable days uh, with my mates. We weren't in lockdown in 2018, and uh, watching that grand final, barracking for the underdog in West Coast on the day, and uh, it was is very very enjoyable. You get a close game, a close grand final, it's enjoyable. You think back to Sydney versus Hawthorne. There was a when Malcheski kicked the game winner. That was a close grand final. You've got you've got plenty but of. But them. even when it's even when it's not a close um, game of football, which the AFL can actually never control, they can never control the outcome of the game. What's wrong with the day? I don't understand why there is such a need to to, to get it. It's not – they're never going to be the Super Bowl where random people who don't follow AFL go, oh, let's just uh, turn on at 12 o'clock when the, the post, you know, pre-game final entertainment's on. One, the AFL have a, a cheapskates and don't fork out any decent money to get anyone good. It's not – and then they blame, you know, oh, we need to have Australian acts. Couldn't give a stuff about who who's playing there. We've just mentioned that. People who like entertainment – they don't care for whether it's Australian or not. They want a good show. Right? The audio at the grand final is completely different to the NRL Super Bowl. You're never going to be it. Stop trying to live that dream. Be your own brand. There's no need to change it. I don't know why we are every year rushing to change something that's not broken. Yeah, let's do a let's do a precursor or something. Get the get the VFL Grand Final happening beforehand. Get some footy on. That's what used to happen. You used something to have the like under that. 19s. You'd watch after the Grand Final. This is a long time ago, Pez, before you. My dad, I just had this lecture from my dad. <laughs> so you used to do the under 19 straight after the Grand Final breakfast, and then they had the VFL Grand Final. Make it get football, football, football. Boom. That's what you want. Very on the Oz kickers at, at halftime. Oh, man, the play the final. play the state Grand Final or something. Play the one of the juniors Grand Finals. Do something. You know. Get the kids involved that way. Don't don't put on like who play who was it club sport and who are they? I don't even know who they are. They covered other people's songs. Oh, I I don't <laughs> care for it. We had it on and we were just waiting for the footy. So uh, we were just chatting on on Zoom with with my mates. So we weren't even really watching the the pre match entertainment because uh, I, I knew I wasn't that wasn't for me. I'm a, I'm a footy fan and I want to watch the footy and and that happens. The NRL entertainment, I did watch that because that was on the TV and I was on the couch at the time. We went on Zoom call because I'm not a big NRL fan in that case. So, um, And it seemed like from the feedback from the media that the NRL entertainment was a lot better than the AFL. Yeah, but do you know why it's a lot better? It's because the ground is so much smaller. You can put it in the middle of the ground and people can actually see it. Half of the stadium, and you've been to grand finals, Pez, where, where the entertainment is, it's all on top of one side of the ground which is even further away than being in the middle of the ground. They've tried to do it in the middle. It doesn't They've work. They've tried to do it the, on the side. And the, the stadiums are too big for it. Okay? And that's what makes our our game so unique. Well, I know you're a music fan and I'm a music fan. And when you go see either local bands or actual one of some of your favourite bands, you know what venues are the best venues? The smaller venues. <laughs> do you know what venues are not good? Uh, hotel foyers. <laughs> hotel foyers are no good. <laughs> and footy the, grounds. The acoustics are no good and footy grounds aren't good as well. The only footy ground that could... Uh, could do it really if they really set their mind to it is 
um, Eddie had. Eddie, well, Eddie had. Uh, they got live, a roof. There are a lot of venue music as well. Yeah, they, they they run that sort of stuff. But MCG and things like that. It just doesn't work. No it doesn't good. work. You need to go to the corner hotel. You need to go to the hi fi bar. Hi fi. Something bar. like that. Billboard's a little bit bigger, but uh, it's actually a really good venue for music as well. <sighs> remember, remember going to live music. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a long time ago, but. Uh, we are delaying the inevitable source. We are going to have to get into our review of the game and speak about why your Geelong Cats threw away a halftime lead. Yeah, uh, and do you know what makes it worse for, for me, Pez? We were talking about this about Richmond and their dynasty. The fact that they had a come-from-behind win as well makes even more of the case for them to be a dynasty. Three premierships in four years, um, you know, and I saw a lot of Collingwood supporters, not a lot of Collingwood supporters, I saw a, a, a comment on Twitter about how Collingwood supporters are happy that they stopped the four-peat, but realistically... What? Yeah. <laughs> interesting, very interesting. Okay. Because they, knocked, because they knocked them out in 2018, so they stopped the four-peat. Oh, but West Coast won the prep. Okay, yep. Yeah. Yep. No, okay, <laughs> that's fine. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, so they, they definitely have uh, they put a, another f- um, foot forward in the, in the case of building the legacy that is the Richmond Footy Club, but um, it was an absolute cracking wet affair in that first quarter, and uh, there were a lot of nerves early, Pez. Oh, it was just, it was like a grand final. It was it was good. It was up and about. It was tough. It was hard, and that, that was a long, long first quarter. Oh. We, were, we were sitting there going, oh, it's only 16-minute quarters, but we've had that. We've had the injury, we've had the the concussion, the the knockout, and uh, had some streakers. It had the, literally the first yeah. sixteen <laughs> minutes had everything without no, no goals or something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think it was the first first seven minutes had so much going on. They had a stretcher out there. They had a uh, you know a legend do his his uh, collarbone or his shoulder. You had two streakers. You had a couple of really bad um, non calls and calls where they just were letting them play. It was a really, really cracking start to, to a grand final. And as you said, it felt like a grand final. We had to wait till 7.37 for it actually to feel like grand final day. Yeah, and, and Richmond got out of the blocks um, with Prestia getting the first goal and then Geelong clawed their way back. And uh, at quarter time, you couldn't split the teams with Geelong sitting uh, 2-2-14 to 2-1-13, one-point uh, leaders over Richmond at quarter time. They'd have to be happy going in with the lead. And Richmond would have had to be pretty disappointed with uh, some of the, some of the ball they got and some of the their ball use moving forward. Yeah, it it, it was interesting because you, nothing nothing much separated those teams in that first quarter. But for me, and I don't know if it was a Geelong supporter, but I definitely felt like Geelong had more opportunities to do some damage. But as we see with Richmond, every time they seemed to get the ball, they they were damaging. And that's that you know we spoke about how are they a dynasty? Are they not a dynasty? That's what makes them damaging. Is that Every person that watches football and says, sees Richmond says the same thing. You can't give them a sniff because anytime you give them the ball, they make you pay. And we've been saying that for four years now, and that is crucial in, in how they um, how they won their third premiership. <laughs> Definitely crucial. And you, you look at that second quarter, and the second quarter goes in, and Geelong just absolutely dominated it. Uh, kicked the first three goals of that second quarter. Also kicked three behinds that quarter. And... Like a mistake towards the end of that half, where uh, Dustin Martin just is able to to kick a goal near the halftime siren, and uh, it just wasn't wasn't a good feeling for Geelong to go into that halftime huddle a couple of goals down, a couple of goals up. Sorry. Yeah, and we've been speaking about this uh, for a range of football teams this year, but no other than Geelong have been the, probably at the forefront in finals of missed opportunities. They had not just missed opportunities in front of goal, but 
key moments in the game. You know, he had uh, Grind Myers, a, you know, a young player, second-year player, running into an open goal, had so much time and sprays it off the side of the boot. You had, you know, a couple of players that tried to um, break through packs and fend off players when they didn't need to do. They needed to do the team thing like they have been all year. And, of course, we did have a couple of missed... Um, Missed shots on goal, but with the weather and the way that the game was going, you can expect that sort of stuff, and that wasn't the reason that they lost it. It was just, again, the perceived pressure that Richmond apply that put other people under the pump, and, yeah, when they get they get forward, it was that chaos ball that seems to work. It seemed to just fall into the laps of open players, and, yeah, they, they made you pay. Like, that, that goal from, what was it, 50 out and on the run, off, off nowhere, second quarter, boom. You talk about, you know, Dusty Martin's around the body, Snap from no man's angle, had no business going in, boom, makes you pay. And that's where the belief started. Uh, and that's what happens. And then the third quarter comes out and you, you knew the Tigers were on because uh, Jack Rewalt in the first minute of that third quarter comes out and, and kicks a goal. Uh, and I don't know, did, did Geelong just drop their heads a little bit? Because then a couple of minutes later, Jason Castagna, usually how he's always, you know how he's always alone inside that forward 50? Always. Uh, pops just up. pops up and kicks another one. Always, always pops up. Back back in the game. All right. Third quarter is where it really starts to unfold is because that where some crucial decisions or, or in a lot of supporters and a lot of media's eyes, some non-decisions. Chris Scott, what, why is Dangerfield starting in the goal square in the third quarter when the game, as you said, Richmond had gone in with the momentum, you, you're down a forward play, like you can't push Ablett up into there. He sort of was playing with one arm. They're down a defender. Why are we not dragging him? Why did he not start in the middle? I don't understand that. It's uh, because it worked the other week. I don't know, and he just but he hadn't kept going with that. He hadn't done anything in that first half realistically, and every time he did make an impact was when he pushed up further in the ground and he was there for a contested footy. For me, I just don't understand it, and I know that we talk about this all the time, and it's not something you can get back. But the comments that frustrated me was after the game when Scott was asked about it, and he said, well, "You know, I don't really hold that decision." And that how do you not hold that? Well, decision? they said that that him and Dangerfield had a discussion, and they decided together that was the best move. And that's where I, I really lack confidence in the decision. I don't care what Dangerfield has to say in that matter. No, you're not my captain for a start. Yes, I respect you as a player, but I'm the coach. We need you in the middle. The only player that can make their own call in the history of sports is probably Michael Jordan. Yeah, who says, "Yep, I'm getting the ball and I'm I'm doing this," and the coach has nothing to say with that. But Patrick Dangerfield, if I'm the coach and I want him in the middle of the ground, he's going to be playing in the middle of the ground. This is the last day in September. You're 15 points up. You're heading into a third quarter. If you kick the first two goals, game over. Go 27 points up. Done. It's very very hard to lose there, especially when Richmond are coming. As you said, that that goal before the end of the half, they go in with the momentum. You get in there and you go right. Geelong, as a team, how do we make the best impact and make make it our opportunity? Okay, well, we need the football. Who can get you get the football? Your best player. Dangerfield goes into the middle. It may not have won the game. It may have been a horrible decision. He may have, you know, you know, let his player leak forward and get a couple of extra goals. But at least you've given every opportunity for us not to have this conversation. And it seems this isn't the first time we've had this conversation. We had the same conversation three years ago in the prelim final – Versus who? Richmond again. Why is there an inability to make this decision? And I just don't understand it. Because when he kicks goals, generally, what's happening with Geelong? They're losing. 
You're trying to catch up. You're trying to play catch up. We were winning. Stick with what's working. Or make an adjustment. And that's the inability that Chris Scott has and that has stopped us from getting to a grand final. Well, Patrick Dangerfield, he's highly recognised as one of the best players in the game at the moment. Uh, Patrick Dangerfield, he kicked a goal for the nine. He had one goal one. He only touched the ball 12 times. If your best player and highly regarded best player only touches the ball 12 times in a grand final, it's going to be tough for you to win. Super tough. And I just don't understand that. But that, that's the one little rant that I want to have. And I think that's the, that was one of the main questions that came from this in terms of the coaching analysis. It, it, to me, it made no sense. And I'll try not to, to linger on that. But, but I did think that was extremely costly in the momentum shift. Because, as you said, they got a couple of quick goals in that third quarter. You know, Castagna pops up again for a goal, like he always does, unmanned, mind you. And that pretty much was the the beginning of the ends. There was a couple of little moments there and that we got some extra goals and, you know, it was good that they sort of stuck around. But realistically, the start of that, that second half, that third quarter, that was it. That was done. Yeah, when Dustin Martin kicked his second about halfway through that that middle of that quarter, uh, it just looked over there. He, he was on multiple goals at that stage and he had uh, six score involvements at that stage that he kicked his second goal in the third quarter. He's just he's just a machine, and that's who we probably have to speak about because he ended up kicking fourth of the night source. He single-handedly dragged his team over the line, and big game player, absolute superstar in finals. He always performs. There's been four seasons that they've been in finals. In nearly every game, he's one of the best on the field, and in three grand finals, three Norm Smith medals, the first player ever to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... Amazing, absolute big finals player, big game player, and three premierships, three Norm Smith medals, and we're not going to debate whether he deserved the other two, but this one he definitely deserved, was the best player on the field, made the most impact, kicked crucial goals, and literally looked so elite that you could easily show that to, to anyone in the world, their first view of AFL, and say this is the greatest player to play the game, and he looked untouchable. Yep. On there. He looked untouchable. You couldn't do anything. At a stoppage, he, he got you. If he was up forward, he got you. If the ball's on the ground, he's got you. If the ball's in the air, he's got you. He, he looked clean as well. In, in those torrential sort of conditions, he had looked clean. He, ne- he never seemed to miskick the ball. You know, he, he, no one could get a lay a hand on him. And the way he was just pinging at the goal towards the end, you're like, you're taking the absolute mickey here. Wow. It was unbelievable. That that fourth goal he kicked when he just uh, dodged the guy on the boundary line and snapped it around the body. It's like when he kicked his third goal, the, the commentators were like, yep, there's his Norm Smith. And then he goes and kicks his fourth goal. Literally, like, literally straight after. What? Like two minutes later. And the goal that he picked, that belief and confidence. And I, I will guy? never get to properly appreciate his performance in that final. But because obviously we, we lost it. No, there was that last goal, I didn't actually really get to see that last goal, but I've heard it's, it's pretty good because <laughs> I was already uh, not feeling too well by then. Ah, yes, and uh, drown the sorrows away and things like that because we, we speak about a game of quarters and, and a premiership quarter where Richmond kicked four goals to Geelong's one. Geelong had a couple of chances in that third quarter to, you know, keep in the game and, and keep a draw. And to, to be honest, they were in the game at three-quarter time. It was you were de- we were down by a goal. No, it was, it was less no, than a goal. It was forty six forty four. Yeah. So two points in the first minute, within the first minute of the fourth quarter, down by two points in a grand final, one quarter to go. Dion Prestia kicks a goal. Yep, and it was with ease, and and it came straight from the middle, again straight from the middle, 
boom, boom, especially at the Gabba where you can do that, two kicks and you're down, and that was it. And that was really disappointing. But, you know, like you talk about opportunities late. I thought when Sam Menegola had that long, oh. that long bomb kick after that, you know, really courageous sort of effort by um, Sam Simpson that you thought that maybe Geelong could hold on. And then straight into that next bounce, we get a clearance, we go forward. The second story of the day, Richmond's defence. Wow. Yeah, they they really stood up. And uh, quickly, we do want to touch on that Sam Manangola monster kick from about 60 out uh, for his second goal of the night. But uh, it was a, there was a delay because Massive the guy delay. was going off in the concussion, so he had time to think about it. And then Tommy Stewart's running on the side wanting the footy to, to do a big bomb, and Sam Manangola's like, no, nah, what are you doing, mate? I've got this kick, and I know I'm going to kick it. I, lo- I like the confidence. Cleared the line easily. Easily, yeah, and you, you, I like the confidence from Sam Managola, and that takes stones to have a 10-minute break, basically, while one of your teammates is on the floor getting getting stretched off or getting you know getting the protocols done. For you to back it up then, 50, 60 out, bomb one, and clear the fence very easily. I thought that might have sparked something, but uh, as I said, we got the next clearance, but then the Richmond defence stood up, and from then it was just a race against the clock, and it was done. Yeah, and they, they were able to stand up without Vloston, who's a big key, Huge key in their defence. So he was out early on. We knew Ablett had a, had an issue with his shoulder. He was still out there courageously. And oh. I, I was wondering at one stage, I know it's his last game, does he need to sit on the pine? Do, do they need to put someone that's fit on the ground? And I, I'm going to hear backlash from, from the public in saying, why would you put Gary Ablett off? Well, I wouldn't have because I would have put him on with his shoulder injury. But when I saw how he was moving, he was grimacing every time he went to the floor. He, he wasn't his normal self, and he was actually costing them in a couple of possessions. And the third quarter when they started Dangerfield out of the square, I was talking to, to a mate on the phone. I'm like, that's where the, if they're going to play Ablett, that's where they've got to play him. They've got to play him one out in the square. But they seem to continually want him to push him up that half forward. And Why? Yes, uh, it was a gallant effort. It was definitely not the best thing for Geelong, because he, as you said, he was grimacing. He, for him, he gave a hundred percent, and he, you could see how much pain he was in. But he wasn't moving correctly. He was not a, um, he wasn't a, what's the right word? He, he was not an obstacle out there, and he definitely wasn't, you know, bringing the team down. But he wasn't making an impact, the right type of impact that he could have probably made from having 22 fit players or 18 fit players. You just got to wonder if someone else could have done a better job. I like the idea of just playing him out of the goal square, uh, Ablett, uh, and just let him go to work. Even with one arm, he's going to be able to run around. It takes another or, defender out. Or do something. Someone has to stand with him. They can't just do anything there. They could, they could let him go for a little bit up the field and then they could catch up to him, hurt that shoulder a little bit more. And uh, not that anyone deliberately did anything no, no, no. to him, but... That's exactly what happens when you come back on with an injury like that. Yeah, and look, uh, a lot of respect goes out to, to Gary Ablett, and I think it was really there was a lot of lot of people that were extremely disappointed that that's how his last game finished, that he didn't get to finish the game fully fit because that injury happened very early, and it was through you know through an easy sort of contest that you would assume that you know probably wouldn't do much damage to, to most people, but with his history of the shoulder injuries. It's just a shame that that's his last effort out there. That's the first thing your mind jumped to as well when you when you thought of the carrying of Gold Coast over all those years and his <laughs> problems with his shoulders. I just thought, yeah, you know what? This isn't going to be good. I'm glad that he got back on the ground. But in that th- at the end of the third and the, in that fourth quarter, I was saying to my mates, I was saying, if I'm if I'm the coach, I'm sitting Ablett on the pine. 
Oh, that would require the coach to make a decision. <laughs> and Gary Ablett said he was okay, so it's fine because the coach has no say in that sort of thing. But uh, really hats off to the, the, the Richmond blokes. And I think to see the way that they, they, sent, they sent him off, um, really, really unprecedented. and just shows you how high he is regarded in the AFL community. And all you've heard throughout the whole week is not about how he's not only a legend on the field, but the things that he does for football and how, what he, who is he as a person. You know, some people retire and they just say, oh, he's a champion footballer, you know. But when he's retiring, they're talking not only about his football, you're hearing all these stories about how he contacts people, you know. He talks about, um, you know, the mindfulness aspects of things and how much of a, a leader he is and how well respected he is by his peers. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes uh, because Gary Ablett Sr. obviously didn't stay in footy uh in his in his post career so we'll see what gaz gets to do he's made all his money and things like that he, he loves the club but he also loves his family so he gets to spend a lot of time with his family and uh we'll see if he comes back in geelong colors in some way shape or form in the future yeah really interesting breed the ablets um <laughs> they don't like the media personality his brother was much the same but this year was really tough on uh gary for for his family aspects obviously his young young son's very very ill and it would have been hard for being away from him that long, and he actually went home to to help you know to help with the the load there. And I think it'll be some well deserved rest for him and some family time. But maybe maybe in the near future we might see him back. And hopefully he does have that AFL logo on him, no matter who it's for, because absolute legend in the game. And I feel like there's a lot of untapped knowledge in that brain that a lot of people and our game could benefit from. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I just. I kept thinking about when uh, Richmond were going to win a back-to-back premiership in their third and fourth year that to our pre-show source where we spoke about the bottom six players for both teams and uh, the bottom six for Geelong just just didn't really perform. There were, there were a lot of uh, passengers, you could say, on the day, uh, a lot of liabilities and a lot who just didn't get involved. And I know it's hard to get involved on grand final day and you've, you've got to put that extra effort in, you've got to be in that, that correct space, but... Uh, Sometimes when it's not working, not going the right way, you've, you've got to try something, do something a little bit different. Yeah, and it's hard talking about a grand final because there's so much scrutiny about players that play well and players that don't play well. You're right. The, it wasn't just the bottom six, and, and we normally we talk when we talk top six and bottom six, we talk about ability level. There was a little bit of effort. Not effort, effort level is probably the wrong word, but they just couldn't get involved in, in any shape or form, and you're right. They were just trying to do the same safe things, and in the end it was very costly. It was question without notice for you. It's going to be a t- it's not not the toughest one, but uh, a pretty tough question because I don't know what I would answer. But Dustin Martin, one of the one of the best players in the game at the moment. You can pick any player in the AFL. Who do you play on him? How do you how do you stop him? It's a tough one. Cole Jasny. Don't even tell me about that. <laughs> that was that's a low blow. Oh, well. And if you want this podcast to continue, you need to <laughs> stop that, okay? Because you know my feelings in Colin Jasney. Oh, well. I, I think you, I think if you're going to sacrifice someone's game, you're probably looking for someone like Dangerfield. If we had to play a Geelong player on him and we're going to sacrifice him anyway by not making impacts, you've got to play a, a, a tough body tagger and you've got to tag him within that forward line. But it's someone who's got to be able to have the ability to mark above head. They've got to defend. This is, I know. That's the biggest thing. And that's what I wanted to come out of that question because if you put a tagger, one of the best-known taggers in recent years, Matty DeBoer, usually stops all the superstars from getting disposals. He wouldn't be able to play on Dustin Martin because Dustin Martin would just go into the forward 50 and absolutely dominate when the ball comes down there. So if you've got someone to play on him 100% of the time, 
it's a tough, tough task. And that's where you probably sacrifice a midfielder. And like someone like, like for like, if you're going to play someone, you'd be taking Patrick Dangerfield. But then again, you're sacrificing a whole different realm of your game. He's not a defender. He's probably going to try to mark every single one, which obviously is the advantage towards the, uh, of Dusty there. But there's no real matchup for him. Just it's like tough. there's no real matchup for Dangerfield when he's up and firing. But Dusty Martin, when he's in that form and he's got that look in his eye, there's no matchup in our game for him. Again, they're probably the only other player maybe is someone like Fife. But again, you're sacrificing. Yeah, you're going to sacrifice aspect. that talent. Yeah, I, I don't know who or how. If someone stops them, they probably go into has next any, season. Has anyone really had any success with him? I'm just trying to. Oh, I don't really know. That's that's why I'm just because when he when he starts like you know if Matty DeBoer's playing on him and he starts getting beaten, okay, they put him forward and he, he yeah he sneaks a couple of goals. So you you need two players to play on him. You need someone when he goes inside in the, forward in the 50. same team. Yeah, in the same oh, team, yeah. <laughs> and someone to play on him in the midfield. But you sometimes you can get lost, and Dustin Martin doesn't need long. You need about twenty found, seconds. Found that out in the last quarter. Balls there. You go and you snap some from anywhere. So uh, those kind of things happen, and I think Richmond go into next season as the the clear favourite for the premiership. Other teams have a lot of work to do in order to do that. Geelong have already started by trying to recruit uh, every man and his dog out there, but um, we'll, we will see what happens in that. We're not going to be speaking about trade radio and what is going to happen next year. I just did want to mention that I don't think anyone is near Richmond for favouritism at the moment in 2021. I mean, you've got talent, experience, um, obviously that hunger. They've got the right formula in terms of the chaos ball. And the thing that makes it dangerous is there are so many different players that can kill you. I mean, short won their best and fairest. And, you know, if you told anyone who was going to win their best and fairest, you go through the, the normal names, short wouldn't have come up that list, even with his season this year. No, he wouldn't have come up the list pre-season. He wouldn't have been in the top 10 that you would have suggested to win that uh, award there. They had a lot of people out during the season, so it just makes it better. They were up and firing towards the end, which is good. But you had passengers throughout final series, and they had they had the same problem as other teams where players go missing, uh, and Jack Rewalt went quiet for a couple of finals. But, you know, you don't have to do that in Richmond because it's just such a team structure, and it doesn't really rely on one player. In other teams, in, in poorer teams, if it relies on one player and that player gets shut out, yeah. you usually lose by five goals. So You've seen that with Fremantle, for example, the last couple of years when they started to do that decline. When they were up and running and had lot, multiple stars, they weren't even multiple stars, when you had multiple players around that could share the load, obviously they were successful. But with Richmond, the system is really good, but it's a basic system. It's a really basic system, Pez. It's, they've got a really, really strong back line, a really, really strong forward line, and then the rest is just... Let's just get the ball and, and, and implement the system. Yeah, well, the, the, the main thing that won it for the Tigers is the word pressure because Geelong were just under so much pressure. Yes, they can kick the ball around and keep control of it against the teams that don't put on that pressure, but against the Tigers, they just couldn't do it. They, they took a lot more marks than the Tigers. They took 51 marks to 36, uh, but the Tigers had 73 tackles to 51. So... That shows you how much they wanted the footy and how much pressure the Geelong players were under trying to move that ball forward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Pez. I just... It sums it up. It sums it up. There's, there's no real answer to that. Um, it, I mean, if you're looking for positives out of the day, who do you think played well outside of, obviously, Dusty Martin? Who, who, who weren't their grand final medal and who probably could hold their head high for Geelong? Oh, for, for Geelong, I was going to say Jaden Short because I was going to say he would be my second pick. And a funny thing about... Uh, I said for both, I said for both. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think Lee Matthews uh, 
he came out today. Oh, he got called out on the Sunday Footy Show because he got his votes wrong. He gave two yeah, he votes to that. two votes to Broad, <laughs> who had about eight disposals for the day, and he was meant to be to uh, Jaden Short. But how yeah. do you get that so wrong? Oh, how do you get that wrong? <laughs> Why? How can you get it that wrong if you're going for the medal? You're going to make sure and you're going to show someone. This is what I'm voting for. Do you know what his problem was? Am I correct? That's why night grand finals no good. <laughs> Lee Matthews had too many cans. <laughs> he couldn't see. And can I, speaking of cans, do you know who had the worst time ever? Ash Barty. Ash Barty did not look like she had fun with not being able to consume any beers beforehand. Yeah, she should have. You know, he did have fun with the Premiership Cup on the, the next day on the golf course. I don't know if you saw it or not because you might have been off social media, but uh, Jack Rewatt had the Premiership Cup in a golf buggy, drinking, drinking a beer out of it, taking the Instagram story or whatever he was doing. But um, yeah, I think Prestia performed uh, decently well for the Tigers. You had Shorts run off the back line. Edwards, absolutely amazing, came back in the final series and was able to do that. Uh, Graham always, always does his job. Bolton. Played a little bit up forward, had the 16 disposals and that little shimmy step that we spoke about earlier in the year, he's, he's just got something and you, you just can't get near this bloke. So uh, he's one to watch. I think he's going to be an even bigger improver uh, next year. All right, Geelong. This is, and this you forget, is, you're forgetting a Richmond name there and I don't like to admit it like you do. Trent Cochin. No, I, I sorry. I'm, I don't, yeah. Trent, Trent Cochin actually played was a pivotal part in that premiership. He, he His skill level was elite, and if he could perform that every week... Oh, he's a gun player. He's a Brownlee medalist, mate. So. No, he's a Brownlee <laughs> um, For Geelong, you probably had Mitch Duncan and Sam Menangola have uh, pretty good games as they recently did. I think Cam Guthrie had a really good first half. I think he kind of died Guthrie, away. Guthrie looked really good early. Died away in the second half uh, for whatever reason that was. Um, Tommy Stewart had a lot of opportunities to get those intercept marks and and play for things like that. But uh, I just Tommy Stewart. I think Tommy Stewart was probably the best player on the ground at by halftime. Oh yeah, best player and on, then on the ground. Something and then happened. Well, it's hard hard trying to play that defensive sweeper role when you you don't have the pill <laughs> and they're kicking goals from left, right, and centre. But you know what the problem is with what we just said? You've got Duncan. You've got Menangola, they're your wingman. Mm-hmm. And you've got, got Backman. You've got your Backman. Uh, you don't have your, your Salwoods, who probably put his hand up and played played pretty well. Salwood puts his hand put up a lot. on effort alone. Like that, that, he was always made himself available around the pill, but he just couldn't win the pill. No, he, he could have done more, as um, a, a lot of the Geelong players could have, especially in that second half. But you don't mention a player like uh, Dangerfield, Hawkins, Ablett. There's your problem. Your top six, you don't perform. You've got to have other people step up out of their shoes and uh, it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, obviously there were some players that didn't really stand out. Um, and But you're right. It's where those big names needed and you needed someone like a big body midfielder to go in there and get the ball maybe and create some space. Get it down to your, your elite Coleman medalist, you know, or any, any of the forwards for that matter. There were no real forwards that fired for Geelong. Well, you guys will fix that up in the trade period because you know, that's that's all Geelong seem to do is uh, we'll fix it up. Oh, we need a big body midfielder in that grand final. Oh, we'll go and get one. We'll pay him 800000 a year. Uh, we need another forward. We've got Tom Hawkins, a Coleman medalist. We'll get Jeremy Cameron last year's Coleman medalist into the side. So Geelong are trying to plug those holes and fix those problems. So we'll see if that works for him. Makes sense. Makes sense. I think <laughs> there's a few pubs in uh, Geelong available. There's a couple of farms there available as well, I think. Yeah, if they get that little payment on the side, I don't. We, and we can't believe that no one has uh, called Geelong. Just go down and have a look at Geelong's books and uh, hang on a see tick. how hang it on goes. There's some big names retiring this year. Gary Ablett was definitely on a, a decent amount of coin. He's gone. So I think Gary Ablett out and two players in. 
That should be fine, shouldn't it? Sean, yeah, Higgins, Sean yeah. Higgins and, and uh, Jeremy Cameron should be enough to... It fits. You'll probably get another superstar midfielder as well, but... You're right, probably, because Abbott was probably overpaid. <laughs> well, well overpaid, so... We know he was overpaid at Gold Coast, but uh, for what for the job he did, he probably wasn't overpaid at Gold Coast. That's, no, a, that's a discussion for well, another day. Well, he paid the the prop the proper price price because he uh yep. lost his shoulders shoulder. there shoulder and injury might have might have cost him his uh, performance in the twenty twenty Grand Final as well. Uh, we saw the state of the ground before the game and uh, the way it drained and the way that the spectacle was on. The if we just talk footy and we're not talking day or night. Uh, it was great to watch. It was a good match of footy, and for the footy lovers out there, they would have they would have loved it. For the people that you know just want grand final day for a bit of you know, I'm with my mates, so I'm I'm going to have a drink. Probably didn't. Most of them didn't much. even make the uh, the end siren. I would have imagined, and by halftime, uh, the TV would have been on to some music channel because that's where they want to get their entertainment from, not the pre-entertainment for the AFL grand final. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, one for one that we'll remember and one we'll talk about, and one that I think that will have many uh, repercussions going forward. And I'm really interested. I had a very in-depth conversation last night to a bloke about what the AFL do with this data. Because it is it is an interesting thing that they've they've uh, that they produced. Obviously a different year. Do they put the bed to rest and now we go forward as a night grand final? Well or, they got more viewers. Or exactly right. Well when it returns to Melbourne, are we having a proper look at this and we're gonna try another trial? Uh, well, I don't. Th- I don't think you can go from just viewers because everyone in Victoria was at home. What else are they going to do? They're going to put the TV on. Seventy thousand so. people that would normally be at the game were at home watching seventy thousand different TVs. Yeah, and the other people that would have been at the pubs in Melbourne, they were off. Imagine too. the yep. imagine the pubs. They've got I don't know how many TVs they got at the pubs. Eight eight to twelve TVs or whatever with the grand final on. But then there's what five hundred five hundred people or so in there, and those five hundred people are at home individually with their 500 TVs on. So it's it's skewed data. It's an anomaly. Uh, hopefully we can get it back in Melbourne next year. We've had two days in a row with zero coronavirus cases, which is good. And hopefully the footy comes back to somewhat normal because uh, I really want to go back to the footy with you, Sauce, and just uh, any game, just sit there at either Marvel or the MCG. Uh, I'll go up and do the first shout. I'll pay uh, the $88 for the two mid-strength beers and we'll sit there and enjoy them. Uh, out in the wet, in the open at the MCG. And when that comes, can you bring back a, a snag from the the sausage bar, please, for me? Oh, it's snag bar. Going to cost me 158 bucks. <laughs> what you Make sure you get a fresh one too, please. <laughs> fresh <laughs> snag bar. <laughs> that. That's uh, that's not really good. But um, you look, you you, it's always going to be there. It's always going to be there. A lost grand final. You still think about 2008. I'm sure uh, with the Hawthorne game. I still think about 1997 when I was six years old watching it. And uh, I don't know if I've ever told this story on the pod. If I have, I apologise. But if you're a new listener, it's a it's a good story. I'm, it's a cracker. I'm, <laughs> you don't even know what I'm going to say, but <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed about it because I loved footy so much when I was little that we watched the footy, we had the VHS tapes out. Yes, I'm that old. And we recorded the game, recorded the grand final, had my grand final t- uh, T-shirt on from Kmart. They used to bring them out and put them on the shelves uh, before the grand final. You could buy them. Uh, watched it. Woke up the next morning, probably about 7 a.m., Thought, you know what? This is a great idea. We just lost the grand final, St Kilda supporter. I'll rewind it, press play, started watching it in the first quarter. My dad wakes up, presses eject, grabs the tape out, goes to me, we never watch this. We never do this. And he just took it back to his room, went to bed, and I just sat there dumbfounded like, yep, lesson learned. Yeah, and you have told me that story. It's a great story. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. It is a great story and... 
2008 is gone from my year. I was a little bit confused when you just mentioned that <laughs> that then that year because that is that is dead to me. Um, and look, this is probably the most I've ever reflected on a grand final. And talked about it uh, at work. I haven't spoken about it, and it has been very tough. And I'm probably, you know, my analyst is probably not hasn't been that good because it is so tough living through a loss when you live and breathe footy. And we just spoke about how much it means to get back to the footy, to to watch your team lose a grand final not once but twice. That that would be the most painful thing in the world. Oh, it was. I just realised as I was speaking. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> you were there for Why both. <laughs> no, but I meant like watching one where you know the result already. That That is – I don't know why you would do that. And there are a lot of players that – it goes either way. They believe that you should watch it and you should watch the review. And there are some players that are like, you know what, it's gone, it's dead, you can't change it. Just make sure you don't do it in the next one. Yeah, and uh, some clubs would be interesting to see how Geelong goes if Chris Scott makes him sit in a theatre Chris Scott hopefully is not going to be there. Hopefully and, they and get rid it. of him. They're going to sack him after well, a His contract contest. extension. Uh, yeah, of course. They, they Come, always do it, it to up, coaches. It comes up now. No, he's actually out of contract at the end of the year. So he, he is potentially gone. We Matthew, will, put Matthew Scarlett in. Put Matthew Scarlett in there. Jeez, we will see what happens with that and we'll see uh, if they get that premiership uh, culture back and try and get to that one next step. But Richmond stand in their way, as do a lot of other clubs. Uh, Source, I I didn't message you. I didn't uh, do anything after the final because I know what it's like to lose grand finals and I would have been uh, down in the dumps for a few days after that and uh, just getting back up. I remember that one of the hardest things to do is walking home with your family members or whoever you've gone to a grand final with after a loss. I think after the after the 2010 grand final, the replay, I went to both the draw and the replay and uh, walked home. I went with my brother that day. We didn't say a word the whole way home, caught the train, went home, went in my room, was there. I don't even know how long, but I just didn't speak to anyone. Well, I know it's not the same as a grand final and being there because the only two losses that I've seen Geelong lose a grand final, haven't actually been there in person. So I think the solution is make sure the so- make sure Source gets to the grand final and we're going to win one. Geelong supporters out there, if they make it next year, <laughs> buy me a in. ticket because I wasn't there in 08 and I wasn't there this year and that's two losses. The other ones I was there, but the prelim final a couple of years ago where we lost to, to Richmond um, and I was with you. Yeah, we were there. Uh, yeah, there was no talking on the way home. No. Straight on that train and well, I think we were meant to go out for a couple of beers. I'm, like, I'm, I'm going home. Yep. I'm not going out and I jumped on a train by myself with all the other 70,000 uh, supporters, <laughs> headphones in. Not many um, Richmond supporters no. are on that train. And then I went to walk home and uh, ended up probably walking for about two or three hours around the neighbourhood because I'm like, I I do not want to go home and I do not want to face anyone. I'd what just happened? Yeah, but uh, tragic. But talking about tragedy, Pez, we do need to get into the next segment of our show. We do need to get into hashtag seasons over. So we've avoided it all year long, Pez, and now it is officially Geelong's season over. Unfortunately, uh, a terrible way to end the season. I would much prefer, and I've had this argument with many people, I would much prefer not to make a grand final and go out in the first round or not make finals than to uh, go to a grand final and lose. So I don't, It's, it's I, a tough argument to, to say, and a lot of people have different uh, feelings on this. If you know the result, maybe you can say that, but 
if you could decide before the grand final, oh, you take in the grand now, final. You have to be, of course. You have to be in it to win it. You have to try and be there. But if you knew you were going to lose, and you knew how you're going to feel, and you could control that, then it'd be a different oh, story. Yeah. It's all. I mean, obviously, this answer is in hindsight, but <laughs> I would much prefer if we were going to lose either way. We're not going to win a grand final. I would much prefer not to make it if that's the the, the case. I guess rather than have uh, certain supporters that are like, oh, we just like being there. It was fun. <laughs> Got on my participation medal. You're in it to, oh, I can't remember who it was that said it. They said um, it might have been, I think it was Ken Hinckley uh, in an interview he did after the prelim. And uh, someone said to him, they said, oh, congratulations. And he's like, uh, it's not really congratulations because, you know, You're out. I, only only one team can win in this tough competition. It's a professional competition. And is it, in the end, there's only one winner. There is only one winner, Pez, but that uh, doesn't mean that two teams season isn't over. And we do need to start with the Cats. And I'll handball it over to you to start things off while I compose myself. All right. Hashtag Pez. You have to give them a hashtag. I have to give them a hashtag here and uh, speak about where to next for them. Uh, we know where to next already is the uh, trade period and free agency, which they love to do. Hopefully they can uh, get something together and get that team to gel a little bit uh, because they'll be up around the mark, you would imagine. No Gary Ablett. They are going to replace him with a few other players. Patrick Dangerfield is getting... Uh, into his 30s a little bit, so he does need to uh, get a move along to get that uh, a premiership that he needs. I'm going to go with, because they're going to be spending a lot of money over over the summer, I'm going to go with hashtag get your conveyances ready. So get your conveyances ready. It's big go. hashtag. <laughs> does that fit the, the Twitter, Twitter count? <laughs> the character the count? limit? Yes, it's it 136, mate. It does fit the character limit because... Uh, They'll, they'll need to have someone there working very hard. Uh, I suggest getting multiple ready because they need to be selling land, transferring land over to other owners, uh, also known as like Jeremy Cameron and Sean Higgins and things like that to get them across to Geelong because they'll be on a salary of about, what, 350000 a year at, at Geelong. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's good. I think if you're uh, in the uh, pub industry in Geelong, uh, it's a good little time to uh, sell because I think you'll be able to get an absolute <laughs> bargain of a price uh, of selling them to the Geelong Football Club. Well, of course, we're having a bit of a joke there about how uh, Geelong people, once you go to Geelong, you, you seem to acquire a lot of uh, property and real estate and pubs. and You seem to own like whole <laughs> estates or like whole whole pubs or a strip of pubs or a couple of restaurants. Like it's really, really strange. It is really strange. A very good real estate, a real estate <laughs> agent down there. They've got the really good realtor. I've cheated a little bit, Pez, and you can understand why in a minute. I've got two hashtags here. I've got the, oh, that's I've got my, well, you quite often you see double hashtags. I've got hashtag strictly for the end of how the season ended. Hashtag cat nap. Because yeah. it, the grand final definitely was a, there was a nap on a range of different reasons and that's why we lost it and, and that's all I'm going to Because it was talk. at night time. They got tired. You like that, didn't you? <laughs> uh, but the other one <laughs> that uh, I think that I'm going to use is uh, stay positive with a P-A-W, P-A-W yep. Because as you said, it is a good situation for Geelong being able to reload you would expect next year. Going into a season where we'll be able to play at, you know, in Geelong a little bit more, They'll be able to bring it back to the fans. They'll be able to not only, um, you know, share the success with the, the, you know, Geelong is very much is a community and that everyone that wants to come back to Victoria and then lives anywhere within nine hours of uh, Geelong says, we want to be close to home. So it's a, a very catnip sort of community. They love it down there. 
And you asked, as you said, we are reloading and we're filling a lot of spots. I don't know about the Sean Higgins inclusion. Of course, you're not going to um, say no to an elite ruck, elite uh, midfielder. midfielder. For me, we still need a Ruckman. And with North Melbourne cleaning ship, I would be targeting Todd Goldstein for one or two years. He would be perfect fit. He already works with Sean Higgins. He knows how that works. You can't get him. You've got to get Braden Proust out of Melbourne because he's he's not even rucking there. Take, take Goldstein. You throw a couple of picks there, a couple of established players. A couple of pubs. What are you telling me? He doesn't like to drink alcohol? A couple uh, of restaurants. There you go. You can have a beachfront property. <laughs> Yeah, but I just think that, yes, we are addressing the best available. Like, if you look at your free agents, they're two of the best available going around. You know, you're getting a common medalist and you're getting an All-Australian in Shaw Higgins. But I would love Geelong to go after what they need and we desperately need a ruck. We have for 10 years now. <laughs> we still need one, and that, and, um, but I'm staying positive because I think that I've we, got a we, solution for we, we can get that. I've got a better solution. Now... One of the reasons that you may have lost the grand final, and I know it hurts and, and things like that, you had one man on your list this year, but he didn't get to play in the final series. And uh, he came from the Adelaide Crows, and uh, I'm a big fan of him in uh, Josh Jenkins. Get rid of him. Uh, oh, it, there's your Ruckman. Get rid of him. If he was playing in the grand final, imagine how much you would have lost by. That's, 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 <laughs> that's why we lost. He was on our list. <laughs> that's uh, that's not lucky for you. I hope you didn't give him a couple of pubs and beachfront properties and things. That would have been a bit yeah, silly. A couple of more more towards Lara though. <laughs> <laughs> You're packing the poor people out of Lara. We've got a big listening community out of Lara. <laughs> we do actually. I know a bike from Lara. He's a nice guy. So uh, no, one of the other suburbs. I don't know any other suburbs. You should give that him area. that bloke a pot shot. Now he's got uh, free range at you this week to <laughs> he give does. you a pot I'm shot gonna, about Geelong. I'm going to avoid him. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think that I think that Geelong are in a good spot for if they are, if you if you're ever going to lose a grand final, having um, and if we've spoken about this trade radio going during the final series, having the news of those two players coming to you and openly saying that we're probably going to sign them, not a, not the worst place after losing a grand final to reload. Look, and uh, after a grand final, there's no real after talk because it's all on to trade radio now. There's a on the Monday, the Tuesday, there's a couple of bit talks, but when we get to tomorrow, Wednesday. It's going to be all over. It's going to be just trade radio in Good. 2021. Glad the season's <laughs> over. All right. Well, season is over. Season's over for Richmond as well. Uh, but obviously, they uh, went out on a happy note. They did. Uh, they did, most definitely. And I've gone hashtag copycat. Yep. Because they're, they're the top cat. I, I was talking maybe we could do maybe Tiger, Tiger King. That was what was going to be my hashtag if they had actually lost Tiger King because – it was a fad. It was there. It was gone. <laughs> oh, no, you can't. No, but but it, no, but it's not. And that's what I'm saying. It is top cat, copycat, because the model works. And, you know, they, they built a, a really strong culture of everyone eats, everyone shares the load. And have you seen Dusty's Norm Metal? Nope. Went straight into the pocket. Not about him. Not about the fig jam. All about the team. And you know what? I noticed that, that. sort of culture. I was I noticed that because um, he was going to be uh, getting his premiership medal pretty early because he's not the captain and he's number four. So I was like, all right, you'll have his Norm Smith medal there. It was actually you could see it afterwards. He tucked it into his jumper, tucked it straight in, straight away, and didn't want to want to be seen. He just wanted to have the medal like his teammate, and it shows you what kind of a person he is in his post match interview at the at the table where Bruce was getting very excited there and kind of steering away from his table you probably didn't see it source he was very classy and he uh, you know 
thank thank the teams, thank the supporters, and the media probably put Dusty out in a negative light uh, for a few years. They always there. do. They always try to. Even um, even still now, they're talking about him being a wild boy and a party boy. Party boy. Respect yeah. him for who he is. He, he is a, a, a top act. And have a, have a look at the efforts he puts in and, and what he does with his body to get ready for this and to be like what he's been for over four years, even even longer than that and the performances that he puts in. But uh, my hashtag is, is all around Dusty because he's one of the reasons they have their dynasty and what they can call. And if they get a three-peat next year and get – Four in five years. That goes down as the greatest modern day team ever. No argument. Uh, hashtag feeling a bit dusty. Feeling a bit dusty because uh, all of the Richmond boys and supporters had a well-earned uh, thirst crusher after the game, I'm sure, and in the coming days and probably in the next month until the season starts off again in, in a couple of weeks. Just keep going back to back. You, you might as well just... Have a week off work, or you probably wouldn't want a week off work if you're in Melbourne, actually, because uh, if you're just getting back to work now, <laughs> yeah, you, you probably need it. But um, yeah, just just wet it, wet in the uh, wet in the old throats down there, and uh, getting a lot of drinks in. I, I'm just worried about um, last year's grand final. There's a lot of talk about Dusty's car at the MCG, and uh, he hired a car just to leave at the Gabba. He just hired it. I, I'm Rental. trying to figure out if it's there at the Gabba or if he still hasn't picked his car up from the MCG because we heard about that for about five months after last year's grand final. Yeah, I like I mean, he would have been loving life if that he didn't have to drive there. And uh, yeah, it's it's something that it's all about Dusty. It's all about Richmond, um, and it's really ironic because Richmond is not all about Dusty, and that their system isn't all about Dusty. And Martin. Dusty's not all about Dusty. And that's what's ironic. And I think that the clubs that copy that fo- sort of formula about making about all role players and sort of exactly what we're talking about with Geelong, not going after just the best available, going after what you need, then that's the model that will be successful. And it's starting to prove that more and more with Richmond's model and it just seems to work and next up available. And Well, I can tell you what, Richmond have their system and we know that they've got their system and they are going to lose some players that are on the cusp of selection. So that those fringe type players, the players that play maybe half the games during the season, they're going to go to other clubs on bigger contracts and they're just going to bring the next guy in and they're going to continue that system. As long as they've got their core there, they're going to you know, show them the elite training skills that they have and, and continue to go with that. Uh, I just wonder if Geelong are going to change their, their ways with that little hold possession football across the back line because if it doesn't work against Richmond on the biggest stage of all, what's the point of uh, doing it throughout the year? Yeah, the issue is that they would feel in their minds, uh, like a lot of supporters, that they had the game there to be won. Well, they did. And they should have probably given it a, a closer effort towards the end, probably took it, capitalised on their opportunities. They'll reload, they'll go again, but congratulations to Richmond. And at the end of this podcast, Pez, it is done for 2020, and it's a little bit of a sad... Yeah, that's why we've got one more hashtag. Because it's season over... Footy's over and footy has got us through a really tough period uh, in the world uh, because when footy came back, there was actually something to do at home and when it was a footy uh, frenzy, whatever we called it, uh, where footy was on for every every day for 20 days, that was just magical and we had uh, a lot of good nights over Zoom and a lot of good podcasts when we were rushing to, to get all these podcasts done because we didn't know when the rounds were finishing and things like that. So when we go back and reflect and we'll probably – uh, do a few podcasts in the off-season source. Most usually, definitely. usually promise that, uh, and I usually don't. But yeah, I'll, I'll promise that this time because uh, during that first period, from round one to round two, there was a big delay, and we did a lot of trivia shows. We did a lot of 
a lot of those sorts of things. So uh, let us know at Behind the Bound what you what you would like to see, what you would like to hear about in the off season, uh, because we'd love to keep uh, doing some podcasts and getting some entertainment out for all the listeners and all the fans out there. Uh, we did have a really great season. We've got one more show to do, Sauce, which will be a, a behind the behind the boundary special with the cheeky punt pod final edition to see who is the winner uh for the year out of you and i hopefully we both got in the positive we haven't checked it yet so we'll see what happens in there you're about to you're about to say something you're still not looking very happy i yeah well it's 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 a great year and i think that we we did over 80 shows this year pez that we absolutely blew our last couple of seasons out of the water it has been a very tough year, tough year in terms of you know mental health for, for for a lot of people, for for the both of us trying to to work make this podcast work through virtually, learning technology across Zoom, uh, trying to talk football. You know we made the decision to go to a, a tri weekly podcast, uh, and then round one, <laughs> football stopped, and we're like, Ugh. you know um, it's been a real grueling battle. But I think that the podcast has been so helpful for for not only us. Hopefully there were a lot of fans out there that really you know. We brought a lighter side to, to the coronavirus and football and we will be making an effort and a really strong effort to continue doing this during the break. We've got trade radio. Well, not trade radio. That's that's a hashtag. We've got the trade period coming up. We've got a range of different things that we sat in the, uh, the idea bank ready to go that we didn't get to because AFL came back. Thank God. We had a lot of shows that we didn't get to do because we had seven games in six days, <laughs> a ridiculous timeline, but it has been a lot of fun and, uh, yeah, it's been a great season. I think uh, 80 episodes next year is going to be really tough to beat. <laughs> yeah, it will be tough to beat. We're not trying to get past that milestone or anything. Hopefully, we don't have to do 80 shows. Hopefully, we don't have to. And hopefully, it's just round by round, back to normal as we go. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the fixture. So, we'll we'll do a podcast about when that uh, information comes out and all of those things. And I think if we put a hashtag there, together source, very simple one, hashtag behind the bound. <laughs> There we go, at Behind the Bound as well. That's our Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, Behind the Boundary. Make sure you go on and give us a like. I've been Pez. Peace out. I'm still Sauce. We'll catch up next time, guys. Enjoy. Now you're gone.